0: Welcome to Expand Your Horizons, the podcast for English language teachers and wanderlust indulgers. I'm your host, Shannon Felt, teacher trainer, resource provider, and course creator for teachers around the world. In each episode, I'll share concrete strategies to help you sharpen your skills and become the very best teacher you can be. We're talking all things ELT the most effective classroom practices, communicative methodology, and valuable tips for planning and teaching so you can help your students see real improvement in their language abilities. We'll also hear from language teachers and ELT professionals all over the globe who are making inspiring moves in our industry. So thanks for joining me. Here's to making this big world a little smaller by connecting ESL teachers everywhere. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Expand Your Horizons. This week, I'm happy to welcome back a returning guest on the podcast, Jessie Ebersole. Jessie joined me on the podcast in the fall of 2019, but just in case you missed that conversation, let me briefly introduce her before we dive into our conversation. Jessie is the Director of Academic Programs at Washington English Center, which is a nonprofit English language school for adult immigrants in Washington, D.C. Washington English Center offers 14 levels of ESL classes, and they rely solely on volunteer teachers to teach all of those. Jessie herself started out in the TESOL field as a volunteer, and she later went on to complete a master's degree in TESOL at American University. She has quite a lot of experience in this field, including teaching at American University's English Language Training Academy and working as a draft writer for parts of Intercambio's textbook series, Confidence and Connections. I'm thrilled to have Jessie back here as a guest because I have a ton of respect for the work that she does and for Washington English Center as an organization. Some of you may know that I lived in Washington DC myself for about five years, so I'm very familiar with Washington English Center and I've had the opportunity to collaborate with Jessie and her staff from time to time. They were even kind enough to host TEFL Horizons, and me of course, on site for a workshop that we did in 2019. Clearly, however, a lot has changed since then, so I wanted to invite Jessie back today to catch up on how the Washington English Center is adapting to online teaching, to get her take on the current state of the ELT industry in general, and to discuss opportunities for volunteer teaching online. So let's dive in. All right. Hi, Jessie. Thanks for being here. Hi, Shannon. Uh, Okay, so Jesse, you've been on the podcast before, a while back, um, and I just introduced you, but just in case, for those of you who haven't heard about you before, tell us a little bit about what Washington English Center is and what you do there.
1: Sure, so I work at Washington English Center. It's a nonprofit that provides English language instruction to adult immigrants in the D.C. area. We focus our outreach on low-income immigrants, but we accept anyone who hears about us and uh, wants to take classes with us. And I my title is the Director of Academic Programs. So I work on the training and recruitment and retention of volunteer teachers. We use all volunteers to deliver our classes. Um, and I also work on textbook selection and the development of the syllabi and curriculum for the courses. All right. And I've done some work with Washington English Center
0: before. I've been there. It was in a beautiful building, or maybe still is. Um, but obviously, the classes were in person. Um, at one time. And now, since this whole COVID-19 pandemic has hit, um, what has Washington English Center done to adapt to that situation?
1: Sure. Yeah. So right now we are entirely (laughs) virtual. (laughs) It's been a real ride, Um, but a good learning experience, I suppose. Mm -hmm. Uh, We didn't start out right away doing group classes virtually. Uh, Back starting in March, we started just with one-on-one tutoring, which had been kind of a smaller supplement to our group classes that were optional for students who were interested, but that became our full offerings for a little bit. We offered two kinds of virtual tutoring online. There was conversation tutoring and writing tutoring. Uh, the reason we started with that is it just was sort of an easier tech leap at first for both the students, the volunteers yeah. and the staff. Um, people just needed a phone um, that with a video call function and we provided training on Google Meet, but people could use FaceTime video, Zoom, Skype, Great. Um, whatever worked for them and their students, and you know, in the event of a, a tech failure, they could just talk on the phone one day <laughs> and get their tutoring in that way. And, and the writing tutoring was primarily asynchronous through email, so that also helped yep. students who were not quite ready and teachers who were not quite ready to be on video online. Um, so Absolutely. That,
0: yeah. yeah, I've been talking a lot uh, on Horizons and various platforms, the webinars that we just did, kind of about the fact that you know this happened very quickly, and so suddenly everybody had to adapt almost overnight in terms of, wow, suddenly you're an online teacher. Um, so it sounds like you managed to do that pretty fast um, in whatever way you could. How long, you said right away in March, you were able to start doing virtual,
1: um, at least conversation classes? So not, not quite in March. Um, we closed our physical location um, like mid-March, about two mm-hmm. weeks before the end of our winter term. And then okay. our spring term was set to start in April, um, which it did. Um, but that was just the tutoring. Okay, yep. Uh,
0: so so now that everything has gone online, what does a typical Washington English Center class or lesson look like?
1: Sure. So we are now doing virtual group classes mm-hmm. over Zoom, and they're usually small. We try to cap it at fifteen students, um, and then regularly attending, it might be more like ten students. We have the same textbooks that we use in person. If a student has just a phone at their home, then we would deliver a print textbook to them. Otherwise, okay. both the teachers and the students have both a PDF version of the textbook and then also kind of an e-textbook application provided mm-hmm. by the textbook provider. So some people like prefer just the PDF because it's simpler, but others like kind of the bells and whistles you can do with the, the e-textbook application. Um, right, so it's it's online. Some things are different. Some things are the same. Instead of um, groups clustered around desks, we have breakout rooms. Uh, we've been using you know, s- certain like websites that have interactive games to supplement mm-hmm. the classes, which I could talk about at some point.
0: Um, yeah, well, that would be great too. So, just for those listening who might not be clear on the difference between a PDF and an e-textbook, a PDF is going to be just a file, you know, a PDF file, right, where the uh, the teacher has the book, but it's not like you can type into it, or there's no sort of interactive component. Whereas the ebook, I'm imagining, it has got sort of some interactive activities, like kind of an online component. Is that correct?
1: Yes, that's that's a good clarification. Yeah. So the the, the PDF is sort of just like a scan of the textbook. Yeah. Um, Whereas the e-textbook, you can do certain things, like you can type right into the textbook using the the applications features. you, you can draw on it. You can mm-hmm. put in a sticky note, you can embed a link to something that you want to click on, oh, that's you cool. audio through it. So, right. Yeah. Great. And what coursebook series do you use just out of curiosity? Sure. So for our most beginning classes up through level four, we have intro through level four. So it's really five levels. Um, mm-hmm. We use Pearson's textbook series, Future, second edition, okay, which is an integrated skills, life work, academic readiness textbook. Um, hmm and then for our two most advanced levels, level five and level six, we currently use Cambridge's series passages, third edition. Okay. Which also is sort of life skills, work, academic readiness, but um, maybe a more focus on the academics a little bit. All
0: right. Um, would you say you've noticed any benefits of transitioning online? I mean, I know we've all everyone kind of freaked out at first, understandably. Uh, But now that things are kind of up and running online, do you feel like there are upsides to having classes that are
1: completely virtual? Oh, definitely. Yeah, I mean, of course there was all the challenges, but I mean, one thing that stands out is just the visuals um, online. Uh, when we were in our physical location, we had kind of blackboards and whiteboards. Right. And so I know that when I was um, filling in for a class, I would spend a lot of time using those like sticky chart, flip chart papers and yep. kind of writing out different exercises with blanks so that when we go over the answers, the students have a visual on the board, but you know, my handwriting is not that great and took a lot yep. of time versus <laughs> you know, the, the textbook is right in front of them. They're filling in the answer right in front of them if you, if students don't know a word, you can just pull up an image on Google and share your screen. Um, There's, you know, YouTube is right there for supplemental things. Um, The interactive games, there's a lot of potential there. I noticed that as well. I
0: also do not have amazing handwriting on a, on a physical board. And I spent tons of time like printing things out, like pieces of paper that I could just stick up there to kind of get around that Mm -hmm. and have things be kind of ready-made. And the fact that I can do all of that now, like on PowerPoint and other um, virtual stuff has been so helpful. There's definitely a learning curve. It took me a while to kind of get used to that and figure out how to navigate between the different tools that I had. But now that I'm used to it, I love it so much more. Uh, I don't miss the physical whiteboard at all. And I thought that I would. So interesting that your teachers are noticing the same thing
1: Definitely. Um, But yeah, interesting what you say about the learning curve, too. I think partly like being online, there's almost so many choices of Mm -hmm. how you do things interactively and do things visually that that can be overwhelming, especially if you're not that familiar with tech. It's like figuring out what works for you, whether or not that's, you know, taking screenshots and putting them in a PowerPoint or using the e-textbook application or right. you know, when you're ready to try different websites with games or when that's at a point where that might be just too much complexity to add. Yeah,
0: exactly. I know you said for the teachers who don't like that, you called it, bells and whistles, right? You know, they're maybe just starting out using only the PDF and not getting too crazy with the other ebook additional things that they can do. And I do think that's a challenge. It kind of goes into Like it can go too far, right? Even for those teachers who are really comfortable with the tech, I've seen online lessons, excuse me, that are almost completely bells and whistles, you know, so much so that the actual teaching bit kind of gets lost. Mm
1: -hmm. And so I think
0: that's a challenge too, is like you want to use the tech tools that you have and the visual resources that you have, but you don't want to go so far that that's all it is that you're just showing the students like cool things or pretty things and they're not actually (laughs) getting the learning part. Um, So that being said, what are some of the biggest challenges that you faced with moving everything online, you or the teachers or the students?
1: Sure. Yeah. I mean, for staff, I think it was partly just figuring out what do online classes look like, you know, (laughs) something that ended up (laughs) Uh, changing, you know, how's the C textbook going to work? Um, we shortened the length of the classes somewhere three hours, and we decided two hours was the maximum amount of time we could expect anyone to yeah. sit in front of the screen. It's a lot of time online. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We ended up um, cutting in half the amount of content that we covered each class. Um just because we figured it was we didn't want people to feel rushed mm-hmm. online. And you know that I think when, in surveys that we did at the end of the term, teachers seemed to like the amount of content and the shortened time, but that wasn't immediately intuitive to us to so figuring that yeah. out. And then certainly the tech was new for everyone. So yeah. I was making, you know, screen recording myself on Zoom and like clicking different things and showing people that I myself had just learned and <laughs> <Right>. um, <laughs> same for the e-textbooks. And then I think a lot of things like the teachers, I think, not necessarily all having a lot of background in tech. And even if they did, teaching online is new. So I think there was a lot of fear of, you know, what if I try something in front of the class and the tech doesn't right. work? So, right. you know, we did things like breakout room group practices with teachers where each teacher would take turns putting, you know, four other teachers into a breakout room so that they could have done it once before, before the class started. So things mm-hmm. like that. Um, for students, I think also just learning the tech. I mean, you don't have to manage the breakout rooms, but you still have to, get into Zoom. And I think also just the trying to have a a meaningful connection with people online, you definitely can, but how do you do that is different. And you're not going to have those kind of like vending machine snack break moments with your your fellow classmates. So.
0: That's a good point. Even something as simple as feeling confused for a moment and looking around and seeing that other people are confused too, you know, that kind of um, sense of, okay, other people are here with me and experiencing this with me. You can't really do that. Even though you can see people's faces on camera, on screen, it's, you can't really make eye contact in that same way.
1: Yeah. So and and some people way. at various times might not even be showing right. their face um, for various reasons in their home. Right. Yeah. I think that's another thing for the teachers too, is they're used to kind of just, this people are working, looking over people's shoulders mm-hmm. and saying, oh, okay, you know, this, the student's on number three, this one's on number five already. Yep. And how do you kind of monitor throughout the class. I mean, there are ways on Zoom, but it's just going to be different.
0: Exactly. That was a big one for me to get used to not being able to physically see what my students were doing at any given time. And because I had become so used to relying on that to manage my pace in the lesson. And so it felt very different. Like I'm just sitting here and okay, I said five minutes, but <laughs> do they really need five minutes? I don't remember how to figure that out. If I can't just look down at what they're doing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it's really smart, by the way, that you changed the amount of content that you reduced it by about half, you said, because that was something I noticed as well, when transitioning to online teaching that everything seems to take a bit longer, you know, that sort of 10 second transition in and out of the breakout rooms, Mm -hmm. and, you know, the little bit of extra instructions you have to give about the tech, in addition to the activity itself, that adds up surprisingly into a lot more time. So I think that sounds like a great adaptation that you made.
1: Yeah, yeah, It just I, I'm just trying to simplify at the beginning. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
0: you know. um, and also a great point that you made about you sort of showing the teachers, like part of the leadership, I think on your part of showing the teachers that like, look, I'm just learning this too. We're figuring this out together. It's okay if you're not super confident right off the bat with things like breakout rooms. Because I think it was right at the beginning, really kind of the blind leading the blind. (laughs) Uh (laughs) Normally in a structure like this, you have the people who are really experienced and who know what to do, you know, with the tech or the ins and outs of the program, the training, the classroom, where the materials are. But then all of a sudden this happened and the people who normally are kind of in that leadership role, we're just figuring it out, too. So it's like, okay, yeah. you need to know how to do this one second, let me figure it out real quick. And then I'll let you know, <laughs>
1: you know like, let me yeah.
0: put a training together tomorrow, and, you know, we'll, we'll make it work. So um, it sounds like you were able to do that quickly, which is great. Uh, and I think that's very comforting for the teachers as well to know that like, it's not you. It's not that you're slow. <laughs> like Everybody is trying to figure out what to do. And that's just,
1: we're in it together. Yeah. Yeah, definitely.
0: So what would you say if somebody wanted to, say, work with Washington English Center, um, what would you expect them or what would you want them at this point to come in kind of knowing anything, you know, teaching background or tech skills, something like that?
1: Yeah. So we, we don't actually require any previous teaching experience or mm-hmm. any previous tech knowledge. Of course, it's great if you already have that and can right. apply it. And, you know, we'd be glad to have teachers with that. Um, but also we don't expect it and you know we're we're, the staff are here to support people in that and so really all we need is kind of an attitude that has kind of a willingness to learn and a willingness to try things you know we're going to be provide the training on how to teach and how to use the tech but then you still have to learn it like we can't learn it for you so that that willingness uh, to try things out and you know you can watch me show how to do a breakout room but at some point you'll have to be ready to you know test it out and maybe it will work the first time or maybe things won't go quite as you expected. And so, yeah, just sort of that, that adaptability and willingness to try things and, you know, maybe make mistakes and learn along the way. Absolutely. And for somebody on staff, so like your
0: story or your journey, for example, to get where you are, obviously being a volunteer teacher is one thing, and it's a a really great option, I think, for teachers who want to get experience or who aren't necessarily looking for a teaching job, but still want that connection with the students and still love teaching. Um, But if you wanna go that route where you're actually on staff with an organization like Washington English Center, how does that happen or how can that happen?
1: Sure, yeah, so I mean, not all of our roles require a teaching background, but certainly um, roles that are related to training teachers or working with the curriculum, uh, it definitely um, helps a lot if you have a certificate or a degree in TESOL or a related mm-hmm. field. Um, and I'd say also if you're interested in working with an organization that has volunteers, starting out as a volunteer can be a good way to get your foot in the door at a particular organization. Certainly not a guarantee of a job, um, mm-hmm. but I know I and a couple other people that I've since hired on staff were former volunteers or students at Washington English Center. You still have to be the right person for the job and have the right qualifications, right. but you're already a known quantity if you're already involved at the organization in some way. That's great advice. Yeah.
0: And I think anytime you can get your foot in the door, I know a lot of teachers who um, are just starting out and they're not really sure where to start out and any experience is good experience. So I always recommend somewhere like Washington English Center as, you know, yeah, it's not the full-time job that maybe you're looking for eventually, but it's a way to get started, to get experience, you know, to keep practicing your skills and um, to network. And then assuming you do a good job, you can see where it goes from there.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, also at somewhere like Washington Center, and I imagine other schools, if you volunteer, like we, we offer a lot of different levels of classes. And so if you, you know, had the time and interest to do a couple terms, you could see what a beginning class is like, what an advanced class is like, what an intermediate class is like, you know, there's some things that are the same, some things that are a little different. So getting yeah. that kind of breadth of experience can be useful too. Absolutely.
0: So obviously in the past, Students at Washington English Center and volunteer teachers were physically there in Washington DC because classes were in person. Is that still the case now? Or do you have people, you know, zooming in, Skyping in, whatever,
1: from all over the place? Yeah, it has changed. I mean, we still focus our outreach for both students and volunteers on the DC area, but... Um, we have seen students from other parts of the country and even some international students, as well as some volunteers from other parts of the country and some international volunteers. Um, I just spoke with a prospective volunteer who's based in Iraq. And we had someone awesome. teach this fall who was calling in from Nigeria. So it, it has changed a lot. And it, it's been it's been neat to see just, you know, we already had a pretty. Um, diverse student body in terms of you know different countries of origin we usually would have around 100 different countries of origin represented but now to also have people living in other parts of the country and internationally Mm -hmm. is it's very interesting. I think
0: that's so exciting I love I mean I think that's a sort of um, benefit of this situation uh, as well that it's we've become so global like this profession always felt very international but now it feels really global that you are connecting with people from all over the world
1: at the same time from
0: right where you are. Yeah. Uh, So if somebody wanted to volunteer with Washington English Center, what would you say are some of the benefits? Like why would somebody want to volunteer? Sure.
1: I mean, one thing, like, like, as we just said, just feeling like you have kind of a global experience from your home, Mm -hmm. getting to meet people from different countries, different cultures, um, even amongst the volunteer base too, and the student base, there's also kind of age differences. You have Um, very young adults and you have grandparents learning English and who are teaching English. And so having that kind of range of life experiences as well. Um, We provide a lot of training for the teachers. I mean, it's, it's not going to be like a degree program, but you know, we have staff workshops and we have outside trainers come in each term and offer free workshops for the, for the teachers. That's awesome. And so you can kind of learn that way as well as just the hands-on learning. If you think there's a lot of people who kind of I don't know how many but anecdotally they think they might want to teach as a career but they're not sure and so they start trying things out at washington english center and then it becomes something more and so um yeah all those reasons the experience and the people really absolutely so for you
0: personally i assume that some of those same things you mentioned are things that you also love about working in this industry um, but what is it for you that has drawn you in to English language teaching.
1: Sure. Yeah. I mean, all, all those things, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I guess to, to expand just also, I feel like with teaching, it's just an opportunity to continue learning. Like even before things went online, yeah. you know, I, I would feel like I, I taught the same class, you know, several terms in a row, but I felt like each term was different because there's different students and, you know, you can teach the same lesson six times, but you're making it a little bit better each time. And you're, yeah, there's always that. And then just you can always. Anytime I see another teacher or trainer, I feel like I learned something new from them. And so uh, it's never the same job, even if you're teaching the same class or over it's and so over true. again. And now I think with being things, things being online, there's this whole uncharted territory of new things to learn that I didn't even know was something I needed to learn. And of course, that sometimes it's been really hard and overwhelming. But it's also like, wow, look at look at what we've done in the past few months to to change and adapt. So. I have the same feeling.
0: I, it obviously, yes, was a bit stressful and there was a lot to learn in a very short amount of time, but I feel like I was able to almost double my skill set in a way in a short time. And it's crazy how much more I feel like I know and can do now that I didn't even know I wanted to know or needed to know right between, you know, March and, and the end of this year. Um, So yeah, I completely agree. It's just one of those things where you never stop learning and there's just sort of this built-in professional development if you come at it with the right mindset that you're always evolving in what you do and in in your own abilities. Um, Great. Yes. So hopefully as this pandemic starts to get kind of under control and, you know, maybe things are able to go back to kind of where they were, where we can open physical classrooms again, um, where do you see things going for Washington English Center? Do you think there will be some things that stay online? Do you think you'll transition back to fully in person? Kind of what do you see happening?
1: Yeah, I think definitely online is here to stay. And in some ways I've been thinking like, you know, we really should have been doing this pre COVID. Like it, it shouldn't have been COVID that, that kind of gave us that push. Cause I think, you know, even if we do want to stay very DC based, um, for some students, the commute is difficult. They might work multiple jobs. They might have childcare responsibilities. And, you know, for teachers too, it's, you know, DC, our, our, our location was in the center of DC, but people live kind of all around the perimeter and not everyone wants to travel mm-hmm. back and forth for class. And so I think it's a real benefit to some people. And I think certainly we don't want to lose the um, students and volunteers who are more farther afield now. So I, I think definitely right. tutoring one-on-one will still take place online. and probably some form of group classes, but I think that's an area where I'm still figuring it out because you know what, what does it look like? Do we offer both a group, an online option and an in-person option for each level? But that would mean we're kind of doubling our offerings, which may not be realistic right away. Or do we have some people in the same class who take things entirely in person and then they have some classmates who are entirely virtual? And like, what does that look like? I mean, we would need big screens in each room or so Mm -hmm. how do you engage students in that kind of hybrid model or you know, I don't know, there's, there's different ways to do it. So it's (laughs) so interesting to think about.
0: Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think I agree with you. I think online is definitely here to stay, at least in some capacity, maybe, you know, things won't be completely online, but I don't see it going away because as you said, why would it, you know, there are so many benefits I think, and so helpful for the students that everybody now has access to classes, assuming they have a phone, at least, um, in a way that they didn't in the past, where they might not have time to get on the bus and come across town. And Mm
1: -hmm. uh,
0: yeah, so I think it's very exciting development. And I'm curious to see where it goes.
1: Yeah, me too. All right.
0: Um, Excuse me again. Well, Jesse, thank you so much for uh, speaking with me today. It was really interesting to hear about how Washington English Center has adapted and changed. And it's really cool now that teachers could be anywhere and potentially work with you. If somebody was interested in learning more about Washington English Center, uh, where should they go or what should they do?
1: Sure. They they just go to our our website, WashingtonEnglish.org. And then there's a page that they'll see specifically for volunteers that they can Mm -hmm. click on that has um, more detailed descriptions linked to of being an online teacher, an online tutor. Um, People could, of course, email me as well. Um, I can give you my email after this if you want to post it with the podcast. Um, Perfect. Yeah, I'll put that in the show notes. All right. Great. Well, thank you so much, Jesse. It was wonderful to talk with you
0: and I'm sure we'll talk again soon. Right.
1: Great. Thank you, Shannon. It was a pleasure.
0: Thanks again for joining me. Feel free to leave a comment on this episode or reach out to me directly at info at and let me know what you want to hear in upcoming episodes. If you enjoyed this episode, I would love for you to subscribe on Apple Podcasts and take a few seconds to leave a quick review. It helps so much in getting the word out there. And of course, if you know other teachers or travelers, I'd love for you to share this with them too. Stay tuned for the next episode, and until then, head to TeppleHorizons.com for more resources and teaching tips. Let's keep making this big world smaller by expanding horizons.